That's Sandy Patty singing. That's not me. Number one. Okay. I get it. I'm going to do a holy night. Pastor asked me to just sing this, so I'll do it. Okay. Take two. his gospel is peace. Change shall he pray for the slaves or brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grief who call his
got a taste of heaven there, didn't we, people? Wow, that was beautiful. Um, you know what? I think we'll just go ahead and go ahead with our message. Thank you, Scotty. I thank you so much, Jody. Amen. Amen. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. All right, everyone. So today, we're celebrating the Christmas message. So if you want to get ready, we're going to be looking, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. And uh, I want to tell you about a, a church in Texas, a Baptist church in Texas, while you're turning there, where the pastor talked about a woman in his church named Barbara. And this woman is a, a medical doctor and a part of his faith ministry team. Now, this was the last uh, uh, Sunday they were going to put on the play Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Does anybody know that play, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames? Yes, some, some. And so the uh, uh, couple of kids that came forward to accept Christ, uh, they were 10 years old and 12 years old. Now, Barbara, this woman, she, uh, she shared with them from Scripture, counseled them, prayed with them. And then afterwards, in the fellowship hall, she's greeting everybody, greeting people, and she, she meets their parents. She meets the mother and father of these two little boys, and as she's talking to the mom, the mom stares at her, and she says, you don't remember us, do you? And, and, and Barbara paused for a minute. She looks at the boys. She looks at the mom. And then finally, it clicked. She remembered. She, this lady was one of Barbara's patients at her very busy OBGYN practice, and uh, she remembered her, and then the, the mom hugged Barbara with tears in her eyes and said, you... You were, you were the one who delivered our two boys into this world years ago, and now you've assisted in bringing them new spiritual birth. You know, every birth is a miracle from God. Did you know that? Whether it's a physical birth where God is bringing forth new physical life, or a spiritual birth where God is bringing forth new spiritual life, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, spiritual birth happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about, it uses the word being born again or born from above. Jesus came to us from above. He came in the flesh that we could be born of the spirit. He came to be born of man that we could be born of God. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, the Son of God became man to enable us to become sons of God. How do we become sons of God? Putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Putting our faith in Christ who came from heaven to earth, the only begotten Son, born of the Virgin Mary by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. In God's time and in God's way, God's Son, the Savior, was born. So let's read. Let's read that, the, the account in Luke chapter 2, okay? And I know I had you standing there. But, uh, if you stand one more time, if you're able and willing, we'll read uh, the Christmas, uh, the birth of Jesus, the account of his birth. Luke 2, 1 to 20, okay? And here's what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius 
was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his hometown to be registered to his own town. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were, sh were shepherds, uh, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying God and praising him for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Jesus. Jesus was born to be the Savior of the world. Amen. To all those who believe in him. To all those who believe in him. You know, before Jesus was born, uh, Augustus Caesar uh, issued a decree that a census be taken about for the entire Roman world. Jesus was born to be the Savior of that entire Roman world. Jesus was born to be the Savior of our world. To whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus. Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, just like the Old Testament prophets predicted. He was born in a lonely manger in that city. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. You know, he is born, he was born in a humble, in a humble birth, at a humble place for the holy purposes of God. There's a fourth century martyr who died for his faith named Theodotus. And he talked about the humble birth of Jesus and how from this humble birth he transformed the world. 
And I want to read to you some of his words. He says it this way. Theodosius says this. He says, he had been born, if he'd been born of a high rank among luxury, unbelievers would have said the world had been transformed by wealth. If he was chosen, if he chose his birthplace as a great city of Rome, they would have thought that the transformation had been brought about by great civil power. Suppose he had been born a son of an emperor. They would say, they would have said, how useful it was to be powerful. Imagine him the son of a, of a senator. It would have been, look what can be accomplished by legislation. But in fact, what did he do? He chose surroundings that were poor and simple, so ordinary as to be almost unnoticed. So that people would know that it was the Godhead alone that had changed the world. That was a reason for choosing his mother from among the poor of the very poor in a country that was poor. And he himself becoming poor. Theodotus. Theodotus was talking about, oh, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> Theodotus was talking about how Jesus from his humble birth transformed the world. And Jesus, as he transforms lives today, Jesus, not there yet, Earl, Jesus transforms lives today. And he'll transform your life. He'll change your life if you let him. But you've got to let him. You know, Mary and Joseph, were, 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 when Jesus was born, they were looking for a place to give him birth, but no one had room. There was no room. What about you? What about you? Do you have room in your heart? Do you have room in your heart for Jesus to come and to change, to change, to transform you? Jesus will transform you. Jesus will transform you. He will change your life. How will he do it? He'll come into you. You know, he'll give you eternal life. And with this eternal life comes the eternal benefits of salvation. We're going to look at two eternal benefits of salvation this morning. And the first is this. The first eternal benefit Jesus was born to bring. He was born to bring the joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation. To bring the joy of knowing him. Knowing his love, knowing his life, knowing his salvation. Jesus was born to bring. Look at this. Verse 8. Verse 8, it says, The shepherds were out in the field nearby keeping watch over the flock at night. This was a dark, they were in a dark place. They were in the, Beth, they were in the hills outside of Bethlehem. There were no uh, street lights in that neighborhood. Huh? No, uh, as a matter of fact, that neighborhood was not looked upon as a good neighborhood. Listen now. Shepherds during Jesus' time did not have the noble status they had during the time of King David. They were looked upon as a low, low life, low class, uh, down and outer. Some of them looked at, some of them looked at the shepherds as uh, dirty and dishonest. Uh, they were overlooked by people, but they were not. Overlooked by God. These were the people that would witness the, the choirs of heaven. These are the people that would that would hear a great light would shine in the darkness. 
This was a dark and lonely place. That night, the angel appeared. But then it happened. Verse 9. Verse 9. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. (laughs) I want you to imagine this now. This was a dark place. This was a lonely place. And all of a sudden, the angel appeared, and they were terrified. This angel was not, this angel was not your Pillsbury Doughboy fluffy angel you buy at Big Lots. <laughs> huh? This angel, this angel was a wonderful, awesome creature, a mighty messenger of God. And then as they looked at him, as they stared at him in an amazement, and their knees shaking, the angel spoke. Verse 10. Verse 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What is this great news? Verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Another translation says the Messiah Uh, Jesus is the Messiah. They were waiting for hundreds of years. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah. And now the angels had proclaimed he was born. Jesus was here in the town of David. In the town of Bethlehem, how would they know? How would they know what to look for? Verse 12. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Now a manger was basically a box. A box uh, that was held the food for animals to, to eat from. Uh, in, in the time of Jesus, a manger was usually made out of stone. So the, the sign was a baby would be in the manger with strips of cloth. Now that's not the normal place a new baby ba- new, newborn babies lie. But that was a sign. That was a sign to them. He would be lying in a manger. And then after, after the angel gave these instructions to the shepherds, heaven's curtains opened wide, and a heavenly host, a great heavenly host of angels began to sing. You know, you've heard people, you've heard it said, you know, someone has a voice of an angel. Well, I think we heard one this morning. (laughs) Now listen to this. You've got a whole army. This is literally an army of angels singing. Can you imagine what that sounded like? Praising God. Look at this. Verse 13. Verse 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. They're singing. They're praising. And they're singing with hearts of joy. They're singing with heavenly joy. Heavenly joy. You know, there's a joy that goes beyond, surpasses earthly joy. It's heavenly joy. Uh, A joy that comes from heaven. A joy that comes from the heart that is filled uh, with the understanding of the wonders of God's love. You know, we sing that Christmas carol about the wonders of his love. There's a joy that fills a life that knows the wonders of his love. It's because of God's love that he sent his son Jesus to us. 
It's because of God's love that Jesus died on the cross for us. It's because of God's love that the risen Christ uh, waits patiently at the door of our heart for us to let him in. The joy of knowing his love. If you're already a Christian, if you've already received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he wants you to grow in the knowledge of his love. He wants you to grow in the experience of his love. He wants you to grow in, in the expression of his love to those around you. Because it's joy, the heavenly joy of Jesus. Where does this love come from? It comes from God. The Bible says, listen to this now, Psalm 1611. In his presence is fullness of joy. Heavenly joy. Heavenly joy. You know, there's two things angels in heaven always rejoice about. Did you know that? Number one, they rejoice, most importantly, at the love of God, knowing the love of God. Number two, they rejoice every time a sinner on earth repents and finds God's love. Listen to this. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. Who repents. That's what causes the angels to rejoice. There's a lot of rejoicing going on in heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, the joy, this joy, the, 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 the joy, the love of the Lord, it comes from knowing the love of the Lord, the love of God. It's a love of God that leads us to repentance. It's a love of God that leads us to turn from our wicked ways and walk in the joy of his love. Jesus promised us that joy. For those that are faithful followers of his teaching and faithful followers of his love. John chapter 15, verse 9 through 11, says it this way. Jesus speaking. John 15, beginning with verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will remain in my love. He goes on to say this. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. He wants us to walk in his joy in knowing his, the wonders of God's love. You know, joy is what should characterize the Christian. Joy is what should characterize, and it did characterize the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, you know, there's a time in Acts chapter 16, we'll look there in a second. Paul was thrown, was arrested. Paul and Silas were arrested for healing a demon-possessed, fortune-telling slave girl. Not only were they arrested, but they were stripped, they were beaten, and they were thrown into prison. Now, in that prison, in that dark prison cell at night, something happened that amazed the other prisoners. Here they are beaten and bruised in this dark and gloomy cell. Some of you know what happened. And they begin to do what? They begin to sing. They begin to sing praises. Praises to God. They begin to sing with the joy of the Lord. And what does it say in Acts 16, 25? Listen to this. The other prisoners we're listening. I mean, this was so unexpected. 
This was so unusual. They were witnessing the joy of praising God in this dark and gloomy cell. But not only the prisoners listened. It wasn't just the prisoners that were listening. You know who else was listening? The jailer. The jailer. And through a series of events, the jailer and his whole family became believers in Jesus Christ. Now listen, they took, the jailer took Paul and Silas to his home. He invited them to his home. Let's take a look now. We're in verse 34, Acts 16. He invited them to their home, and it says this. It says, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And the whole family, look at this, was filled with what? Joy. Why? Because they had come to believe in God. They came to understand God's love through faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because in, back in verse 30, the, the, the jailer asked them, what must I do to be saved? Huh? What did he say? Verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So they came, not only the jailer, but his whole, and it says, you, not only you, but your whole family will be saved. And that's exactly what happened. They came to understand the joy of the Lord, the heavenly joy, the heavenly joy that comes from God himself. So Jesus was born to, to bring us a, a joy of our salvation, the joy of knowing the wonders of God's love. Now, secondly, not only was he born to bring us the joy of our salvation, but he was born to bring us peace with God above. Peace with God above. The second part of what the angel saying, verse 14, it says, on earth and on earth, peace to those of, to whom, on whom his favor rests. New American Standard Bible says it this way, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, this, this promise is not for all people. This promise is not for all people. This promise is for those with whom God is pleased. It's for those with the, to whom, who have God's good will. It's to those people who are justified by God, made right by God, uh, by putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of God given to believers is a peace that comes from God himself. It's not a peace you can conjure up on your own. It's not a peace you can earn on your own. You know, no matter how much, my, how, how, how much mindful meditation you might do, no matter how much medication you might say, that you cannot find this peace on earth. This is a peace that comes from God above. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit of God. And God gives you, as God, you know, it's God who gives you new spiritual birth. And it's God who gives you new spiritual peace. Peace that comes from trusting Him, no matter what the stress factors around you. And we know there's a lot of stress factors today, Amen. There's a lot of stress factors around, and stress can cause us to do some weird things. Did you know that? Stress can cause us to do some very weird things. I want you to listen to an article, story from the Atlantic paper, written just in March of this year. 
And it says this. It is titled, Why Are People Acting So Weird? <laughs> Here's what it says. It says, everyone's acting so weird. The most obvious recent weirdness was when Will Smith smacked Will, Chris Rock at the Oscars. Anybody remember that one? And then it gives several other examples of weirdness. And it says, during the pandemic, bad behavior of all kinds has increased. American drivers are driving more recklessly. I we could probably say all amen to that, huh? Crashing their cars and sadly killing pedestrians at higher rates. Healthcare workers say their patients are behaving more violently. As a result, in Missouri, the hospital, there was a hospital that has planned that's planned to outfit their nurses with panic buttons. In 2020, the U.S. murder rate rose by nearly a third, the biggest increase on record. And if there were a national tracker of school board meeting hissy fits, <laughs> It would, it would be heaving with data points right now. The, the writer talks about why, 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 why is everybody acting so weird? And she explains this, and their experts suggest, suggest some explanations for this reason, the reasons people are acting so badly on the top of the list, on the top of the list, stress, stress. And it goes on to say this. We're all stressed out. One explanation for the spike in bad behavior is the rage, frustration, and stress coursing through society right now. Everyone is teetering slightly closer to the breaking point. Someone who might have a lost job, a, lo a loved one, or a friend, to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, someone who has lost a job, a loved one, or a friend to the pandemic, might be pushed over to pushed over to the edge. Uh, the, the stress is causing weird and bad behavior. You know, there, there are ways to, uh, there are steps you can take to reduce your stress, to uh, help to eliminate your anxiety, and there are good things. Uh, there's things you can do from exercise to socializing, from, uh, uh, from eating right to sleeping right. Uh, you can take in doctor prescription um, uh, to, to, to certain forms of relaxation, and those are all good. But the peace the angels are singing about is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a heavenly peace, a peace given by Jesus Christ himself. It's not an earthly peace. It's a peace from God above. Jesus said it this way. It's a peace that, that, that he promises to give to his believers. A peace he gives us as your possession. A peace as your possession. Jesus purchases peace for us on the cross. He purchases peace. You know, the gospel that we preach is called the gospel of peace. Apostle Paul writes about it in Ephesians 6. He talks about the armor we're supposed to put on in our spiritual battle. One of the most important pieces of armor is what we wear on our feet. Ephesians chapter 6, he says it this way. He says in Ephesians 6, verse 15, that our feet should be fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. It's a gospel of peace. In other words, be ready to share the gospel of peace wherever you go. 
It's a gospel. And he paid the price to open the door, open the way to peace with God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. He made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus paid the price. You know, the shepherds that were watching over the sheep that night, they were watching over the lambs uh, they were, that would be supplied for the temple sacrifice. And those, temple, those lambs that would be supplied for temple sacrifice were supplied for the forgiveness of sins. They were supposed to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. Now, these shepherds were going to be introduced to the Lamb of God. The child, the Christ child, they saw, they beheld the Christ child as a baby. Just like John the Baptist beheld the Christ child as a man. And when he saw him, he pointed and he proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. No more animal sacrifice needed. Jesus died once for all to take away the sins of many. He to take away the sins of those who would believe. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, purchased our peace to have as a possession. He did it. He did it that we might possess his peace, a peace that comes from Jesus Christ himself, from the spirit of Jesus Christ himself. John 14, 27, Jesus speaking says, peace I give unto you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give unto you? Let not your heart be troubled, and let, do not let it be afraid. This is a peace that comes from Christ himself. You know, when it, the Bible talks about peace, and the peace of Jesus Christ, it's talking about wholeness. Having the wholeness of Christ in your life. Having the, having the security of Christ in your life, in your pres- in your, his, his life, with his life in your presence. Do you know his peace? Do you know Jesus' peace in your life? To have his peace is to have his wholeness. What does it say in verse 14? It says there, it says, On earth, peace to men on whom God's favor rests. God's favor rests on those who rest in him. God's favor rests on those who have a right relationship with him. God's favor rests on those who trust him. And to trust God is to trust his word. You know, when the the shepherds came and and shared and they found Joseph and they found Mary and the baby and they told them everything the angels told them. And what did Mary do? Let's take a look. Look, what did Mary do in verse 17? It says she held on to every single word these shepherds were saying in verse 19. It says this. It says this. It says Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, the word treasure there means to to keep close, to preserve, to to, to hold on to. You know, that's what Mary was doing, and that's what you and I should do as well with God's word. We should hold it. She was pondering it in her heart. She was going over it in her heart. She didn't want to lose it. She wanted to remember it. That's what you and I should do. Remember it. Ponder it. Meditate upon it. And if you do, trust in it. And when you do, you know what God promises? He promises you peace. Psalm 119, 165. 
great peace have those who love thy law, and nothing can make them stumble. Hold it on to his word. Meditate upon it. Pondering upon it. How do you know his peace? How do you know Jesus' peace? By trusting in him and trusting in his word. Christ is the Savior who is born. Christ is the Savior we celebrate today. He came into this world to save us. And we've looked at two eternal benefits that he brings. Two eternal benefits of salvation that he brings. And the first was the joy. The joy of our salvation. Like the light of God's glory that lit up the sky. Where the, where the shepherds were. Jesus wants to lit up the light of the sky of your life. To know the joy and the wonders of God's love. The heavenly joy. The heavenly joy. Paul and Silas knew that joy, and it was a witness to those who listened. Second, Jesus was born to bring us peace with God above. You know, the stresses of this life can cause us to do weird things, but Jesus promises his peace as our protection. He purchased our peace with God as the Lamb of God by his blood. He gives us his peace in the midst of life's troubles by trusting him and trusting in his word. Will you trust him? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. As the angels sang and praised you when Jesus was born, this is the day we celebrate our Savior's birth. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to our world to save us for all who will believe, to give us your peace, to give us your joy. Help us to walk in your joy and to know your love every day. Lead us, Lord, and we will follow. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. this time we're going to prepare for the uh, we're going to have our Lord's Supper uh, this morning.